Hi everyone, you're listening to Trust Me, I'm a Student, the podcast where we explore, break down, and advocate poor co-production. For those who'd like to know more about what co-production is, have a listen to our first episode, Co-Production 101. I'm Madeline, and I'm part of a team of 11 student partners who have been evaluating the Greater Manchester University Student Mental Health Service. So over the past few months, we've been invited to speak at several conferences and events um, like the University's UK Mental Health in Higher Education Conference, the Mental Health Challenge Competition Network Meeting, and with Smartens Discussion Groups. Uh, and a question that has come up again and again and again is how do we engage students? So various university or mental health service staff have said that they invite students and sometimes students even sign up, um, but they have a really hard time getting people to actually get involved with their initiatives. So in this episode, Ellie and I are going to run you through some of our top tips for getting students to engage with co-production. We also want to point you towards our website, which will be linked in the description of this podcast episode, as well as our social media. And on the website, you can find our show notes, which are a PDF summary of the show. So you can listen to the show and then come back to the points when you're planning your own co-produced projects. Hi, I'm Ellie. I'm a third year psychology student at Manchester Metropolitan University. Um, and I am one of the student partners on this project. Um, so yeah, our role is we're evaluating the Greater Manchester University's Student Mental Health Service. And a big part of that is, well, the whole part of that is co-production. Um, so we run workshops and interviews with student service users, um, get their feedback and experiences, and uh, we feed this back to the board and the service. In this episode, we, we talk a lot about students and student experiences, um, but there's kind of a couple of levels of that. So there's our role, which is student partners, which is more of a long-term um, a long-term role. So we've been working on this project for over, over a year, just over a year. Yeah. Um, and we've been involved in designing the workshops and um, carrying out that and doing analysis. Uh, so then we have the student participant side, which is more of a shorter term thing. So for us, that's student service users who decide to uh, take part in a workshop or interview. Um, so we'll be using student partner and student participant to kind of differentiate between the two. So our first sort of ground zero point is to make sure that your project is co-produced. So there's a lot of ways to involve students from consulting to feedback, but those aren't co-production. Uh, they're not involving students throughout the process and in decision-making. Um, student Minds, in their co-production guide, has a great graphic for the different levels of student involvement. Um, so I'll link that in the podcast episode description as well, and I highly recommend taking a look. So we've got four points for you, four big points today. So pay students, time, student involvement, and uh, spreading the word or promotion. So we'll break those down for you as we go along. So we'll start with paying students. So students have a lot going on. <laughs> we have our courses, we're trying to navigate social lives, we may have kids, be cares, uh, we may be holding other jobs, internships, volunteering. Point being that we don't have an unlimited amount of free time or free mental space. 
that's why it's important to pay students. What we're saying when we pay students is, I respect your time and value your contribution. It's also about equity, so not all student partners can afford to work for free. Uh, they may be putting themselves through school, university, covering living costs, or sending money back home. Uh, and it's important that we're not just hiring student partners who can work for free because that's not representative of the student body and it's kind of further contributing to that class inequality. So that's kind of on our student partner side. So on the student participant side, um, we've been using vouchers and prize draws and care packages uh, to kind of thank the student participants and um, remunerate them for their time, really. Yeah, I think that's such a good point. Um, students have, we often have a lot going on um, and it does just seem fair that we are compensated for our time. And I think for me, another big one is, um, you know, just because obviously we haven't finished our degrees yet, um, but that does not mean we are not qualified. Um, one of my favorite phrases that I'm always using is expert by experience. Um, and this is what makes us qualified. You know, we have, we're living being a student um, and especially currently, that is such a unique experience with its own challenges. You know, the pandemic, um, which obviously everyone in the world is going through, but being a student particularly, um, together we understand those challenges. Um, and I think it's sharing those experiences and journeys. Uh, that is what makes us qualified for these roles. Yeah, yeah, especially like how those things, at least in our project, how those things affect mental health as well. You know, like how the how having Zoom school has affected mental health and motivation or things like climate change. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so another idea that's come up at the Mental Health Challenge Competition Network meeting was around placements. Uh, so maybe not all universities can find the budget to employ student partners or remunerate student participants, um, but organizations that want to introduce co-production might host a placement for a small group of student partners to run a co-produced project. So, for example, um, hypothetically, the Greater, Man Greater Manchester University Student Mental Health Service could introduce a placement opportunity that could be advertised through the university and maybe students would get credits toward their, credit towards their degree. On the flip side of that, you could introduce modules for students within the university that would be like practical modules where they would do co-produce projects. So maybe those student partners would look at how um, assessment processes could be changed to better support students' mental health uh, within their specific university. Um, and then they get credit towards their degree. I think that would be such a good idea. Um, you know, if I saw things like this advertised at my uni, which would, you know, bump up my credits, I would, it would definitely catch my eye. Yeah, absolutely. Toby's getting credit for this towards his degree, which I, I'm a little bit jealous of, but also he's a medical student. So. Yeah, I do see that. <laughs> that is brilliant though. Yeah, yeah. Um, so our second point uh, in this podcast is around time. So I think the first part of this is uh, around flexibility. Uh, us students, we are agile creatures. <laughs> we are used to balancing many things at once and we 
as much as we don't like to admit, we are used to quite late nights. Um, so I think a big thing would be kind of avoiding strict nine to five working hours. Um, you know, we might have lectures or just informal meetings with uh, personal tutors, things like that. Um, so it's great for us to be able to prioritise our day as and what fits. Um, yeah, absolutely. I know Shaheen and Envita and I all like tend to work kind of late at night so we've had like several midnight meetings <laughs> which are actually really fun <laughs> i think i just do work better at night um when it comes yeah it's great <laughs> anything another thing is short deadlines doesn't scare us um i am i like to think i'm very organized with my uni work but there's still been times where a deadline does creep up on you and um, we are very good at getting things done quickly <laughs> Um, so another part of kind of the time consideration uh, is that we have to take into account the academic calendar. So university life is constantly shifting and there are periods of like really intense study um, and periods where students just, we're not going to be productive. <laughs> yeah. uh, like after exams, the last thing that student participants want to do is sign up for a two hour Zoom workshop. Like we just want to sit on the couch and watch friends and eat snacks. Yeah. Our student partner team has found that the week or so after Freshers' Week um, is a really good time to recruit because students have still have the energy and are excited for the year, um, but that Freshers' Week craze and parties and subsequent hangovers has kind of finished. <laughs> yeah, academic year is definitely something to be mindful of. The, the next part of this is uh, about balancing the courses um, and other commitments that students have. Um, it's often, I, d I don't think you ever really meet a student that is solely doing their course and has nothing else on. <laughs> um, and we, we want our time to be deemed valuable. Um, you know, I've had jobs before where uh, employers are like, this is your job, this is your main priority. Um, but our degrees, cost a lot of money um you know we're paying the most they've ever costed <laughs> and it's a lot and so obviously we want to do well in them um so I think knowing that our courses and therefore our time are valued it kind of reduces that um you know balance in your time um, and what you can take on mm. one thing that we've found kind of unintentionally um just through the pandemic uh is that online doing things online makes things easier and more flexible for both our student partners and the student participants. Um, so when we don't have to commute and we can just hop on Zoom from wherever, wherever we are, we're more likely to attend. Uh, and it kind of reduces that barrier to access, really. And obviously there's trade-offs when you hold things online versus in-person. Um, but especially around mental health, too, we've had students participate in our workshops and interviews that may not have been as inclined to do so if they had to travel, whether that's because of physical disabilities or symptoms of their mental health condition that make it just more difficult to get up and out and, you know, taking part in workshops and stuff. Yeah, definitely. I mean, obviously there are a lot of complaints about working from home, but it, that flexibility is unbeatable. Mm. Um, so on to our third point, uh, all about student involvement. And I think a really, really key thing is it needs to be from start to finish, ideally. Full, complete co-production from the beginning to the end. Um, 
you know, we it's all very well us being asked our views, um, but we want to see that these ideas are being implemented. Um, so I think the best way to do it is involve students in creating those ideas, but also get them involved on, okay, so how do we make that change? Um, let's all do it together. Uh, it shows us that our opinions really are valued. Um, we really want to be part of the solution. Like we are eager to do that. Well, I mean, I think we're okay being consulted, um, but when we're asked, how should we make change? You know, what will work for you? It's like you said, it's really empowering. It makes us feel valued. And like we're being asked to be kind of an active member of this community. Yeah, and if that isn't possible, uh, you know, being part of the solution, there's something that we like, which is you said we did. Um, so, you know, we've given you the ideas, someone's gone away and implemented them. Um, and then I think as soon as possible, we need to be kind of walked through thoroughly what our ideas have led to and what change has come about. Um, it really shows us that we were really listened to. Um, and I think it makes you want to take part in something again when you can see that active change that you have contributed to. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I know one of the things that Alice and Shaheen talked about um, in the last episode was the RNCM would take students' feedback and, you know, make make the changes. So, like, if the water fountain was broken, <laughs> they would fix the water fountain, but then not tell anybody that the water fountain was fixed. Um, and so students didn't really get to see their their you know, feedback or complaint um, seen all the way through. Yeah. Like you said, that co-production ethos really has to be set up from the beginning, even in the hiring process, so maybe that's before the beginning. <laughs> um, so what happened with our project is that Anita, our evaluation coordinator, and two students from Manchester University's student union um, co-designed the job description and application and then sat on the interview panel for all of the student partner interviews. And that made sure that the job description and expectations were set by students who you know, knew what was realistic and um, maybe what experience potential student partners might have. Um, yeah. So we don't maybe have all this experience um, or um, I think sometimes it's the confidence as well. And I think this is a really important one. Um, we need to be shown that we can go with our ideas, you know, we can follow them. Um, having that confidence to run with an idea you've had is such a great way of working. You need to show students that you do have faith in them, um, you know, training them to think this way and be confident in their intuition is really, really helpful. Um, me and you, Madeline, we were helping run recruitment, which wasn't going very well. And we had this idea of using social media which Anita probably wouldn't have thought of, but, you know, we're students, we spend a lot of time on <laughs> all the apps. <laughs> and she was happy for us to just go away, try it out, and it worked so well. Yeah, yeah. I like your, your point about confidence, too. I think through, through the whole team, I've seen every student partner's confidence just skyrocket definitely i think we well we know we're good at what we do now we've, yeah. we've we've got that confidence yeah kind of along the same lines as training students to follow their own ideas um is letting go of the idea that 
staff should be exclusively training the student partners. Like you've said a bunch of times, uh, we're experts in the current student experience and we need room to show and apply that. Um, and of course, we're gonna need extra training. Um, but when we just create this sort of one-way system of your boss tells you what to do and then you do it, uh, we're losing out on a lot of that untapped innovation. Um, ideally, we should be exchanging learnings and practices and just learning from each other. Yeah, definitely. And kind of linked to that is this uh, middleman approach that we have definitely adopted in our work. So if you have students act as kind of the middleman, mainly for anonymity reasons, um, yeah, you know, with this, we're talking about student partners acting as yes, student partners. <laughs> um, you know, not only is it great to have that peer to peer conversation, but, you know, it means that the student participants will remain anonymous. Um, so, you know, there's it kind of removes that fear of any implications. Um, you know, if they start discussing maybe more negative experiences, um, yeah, they get to remain anonymous. And I think that really helps improve honesty and openness. If my tutor asked me, oh, like, how is the course going? I'd, I probably wouldn't be as honest as I would be with, like, say you. Yeah, exactly. Um, students don't want to risk anything being connected to their grades or their care. Um, and I think another part of this is, you know, they can speak on their own terms. Um, again, this peer-to-peer -peer level, it means that student participants can, you've kind of got that report, you've students, you've similar ages, similar experiences. Um, it does kind of make it more informal um, and kind of gets rid of a lot of pressure of maybe speaking to someone deemed as a high up senior professional. Mm. One of the Office for Students mental health competition projects um, was surrounding international students. Uh, and they found that international students are even less likely to approach their tutors or university staff um, like with feedback and that the peer-to-peer -peer approach is the most powerful tool for, for international students. Um, and we really, we want their opinions. International students make up a huge percentage of university students and let's be honest, university budgets. Uh, <laughs> and so it's important that we we get that perspective yeah definitely um at the end of the day you want everything to kind of be representative don't you mm. uh so yeah our final point uh is about spreading the word and promotion uh, i think one of the biggest things that we've learned over the last year is use technology <laughs> um social media particularly has been a great tool as we said before students are on it really frequently and that was really beneficial to our recruitment. Uh, we found so many student Facebook groups, uh, which meant that we were reaching many more <laughs> than what the initial recruitment emails were being sent out. Yeah, and it's just about, uh, you know, student participants seeing it again and again and again. Yeah. <laughs> it's also important to keep in mind that students may want to be communicated with in a different way to what project teams might think. Um, I know initially, even as student partners, we kind of fell into the trap of viewing this role as professional and that we should keep all of our communications really formal. Um, and actually student participants don't connect with us like that. Um, they want to see us in videos on social media, like being silly or get an email that has references to like 
Pizza Express. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, at the end of the day, it's about connecting with people. Well, it makes them realize we're just like them. You know, yeah, we're yeah. students that want change. You should also be putting your blurb or kind of advertisement where student participants already are. So as we're doing this kind of Zoom school thing, that's Canvas, Blackboard, Moodle. Um, that way they see that there's an event or workshop going on every time they have to submit an assignment. Again, it's just about repeated exposure. You know, it's that Coca-Cola thing where you have to see like an advertisement seven times before you take action. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> We've also found that using existing relationships to recruit student participants is a really good tactic. You know, as a, as a student, I'm more likely to open an email from a member of staff that I've had regular contact with. Um, and it's still, it's still the student partner's blurb, but by having it come from your tutor or the counseling and wellbeing service that you've been in contact with, uh, it's almost like they're vouching for what the student partners are doing. Yeah, definitely. I think if you, when you see a name that you recognize, uh, you kind of do open it a lot quicker and <laughs> I think read it more thoroughly. <laughs> yeah. I know that that's worked really well for the male mental health project. Yeah. And yeah, this final little tip is something that we kind of have touched upon. Um, just that kind of continuous messaging. <laughs> People might miss it the first time. Um, you know, if students are having a hectic time with deadlines, exams. They may see the email, read it briefly and think, I'll come back to that later. And then life gets in the way. Uh, things do get forgotten so definitely don't be afraid to send multiple emails or put out multiple adverts um, to give people another chance if they missed it the first time or the second time hmm. so there are four areas that should improve student engagement <laughs> yeah hopefully that gives you a good place to start uh, when you're planning your co-produce projects thanks for listening to this episode of trust me i'm a student Make sure you subscribe to this podcast and check us out on Facebook and Instagram at Trust Me, I'm a Student. There we have tons of links, stories, videos to get to know our team better, uh, and you can find our show notes, which again is a PDF summary of the show, uh, if you'd like to refresh your memory later on. If you're interested in keeping up to date with our evaluation, you can follow us on Facebook at the Greater Manchester University's Student Mental Health Service Evaluation. We'd like to note that unfortunately we cannot offer mental health support through any of our channels and if you're in need of that you should contact your local crisis line, GP, or University Mental Health Service. Special thanks to the University of Manchester for running this evaluation project and to the Office for Students for funding it. <laughs>